0: Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio here on a Farmer Friday. I am Brian Hefty, live in the Morton studio. Our phone lines are going to be open all throughout the show today. If you'd like to call in, we would love to hear from you. Our number here is 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. Or you can send us an email, radio at agphd.com. So again, it's a Farmer Friday. Our show today is all about you. And I want to start with this one. Yesterday, Lewis from Arkansas called in, didn't have time to get him on the show, but here was his question. What in the world are we going to do with these sky-high fertilizer prices? All right, if you have not checked fertilizer prices for the 2022 growing season, you're probably not going to be super happy because they are way, way higher than they were last fall. Depending on the fertilizer product we're talking about, it's two to three times what it cost last fall. Now granted, last fall was the lowest we'd seen for fertilizer prices in a really long time. So like even on our farm, we were really loaded up because I thought, man, I don't see it going down any more than this. I certainly didn't think in one year's time it was going to go up this much though. But you know what? That's just the way it goes. And look at a lot of things that are happening in our world right now. They're crazy. So we have to deal with this and manage through for the coming growing season. I was just talking to one of the big egg chem manufacturers and I said, well, be ready for more soybean acres for next year because at least in our region of the country, Dakotas, Minnesota, Northern Iowa, I I do see, I mean, there's still going to be, there's still going to be a fair amount of corn. All right. But I do think that we're going to see more soybeans because you start running the numbers on the fertilizer thing and you go, yeah, I just don't know if I want to spend that much money. Now, here's the other thing that I wanted to bring up to you. this may, Because fertilizer prices are as high as they are, this means that it's more likely than ever that soil testing is going to pay. So if you do a good job with soil testing out there, you might figure out areas where you can save a bunch of money. So I was just going through some stuff. I I do a a whole bunch of training with agronomists every week. And one of the things I was showing them this morning is some soil tests from our farm. After corn this year, we had 94 pounds of nitrogen sitting there. 94! And... (laughs) I said, okay, most people assume that after corn, you have no nitrogen left. Well, we had 94 pounds in heavy soil. We're a month away from the ground getting hard, freezing. So that nitrogen's not going anywhere. Our, we're bone dry here. We're not going to lose that nitrogen. We're going to plant corn right back out and into that corn ground early next spring. And we have a fair amount of organic matter too. So my point is, we've got a lot of free nitrogen that's going to come available next season, Because of the organic matter. We have a whole bunch of free nitrogen that's sitting there right now. So, like in my case, it's going to save me a lot of money because I soil tested and I realize, oh, I don't need to put on all the nitrogen I was planning for. That's awesome. So, that's part of why we want you to do soil testing. The other reason is in terms of balance of nutrients in your soil, that's tremendously important. So it's not just about putting a whole bunch of pounds out there. You got to look at, okay, well, what do I have already for calcium and magnesium and phosphorus and copper and zinc and all these things, because it all kind of ties together. So we want to have a soil that's balanced as opposed to out of balance, because when things are in balance, it just takes less fertilizer to raise a great crop. And it also takes less water. To raise a great crop. So here's my, my real quick summary, Lewis, on what I would say with these high fertilizer prices. I don't like them, but we have to live with them. And fortunately, we still have pretty good commodity prices. So when I look at what I can sell crop for next fall, it's not terrible. So I would just say, sure, Um, I I don't like what's going on with the fertilizer prices, but at the end of the day, I don't really care what my fertilizer prices are. I don't care what crop prices are. I don't care about any of that stuff. What I care about is making money. And so my point is, does it work in terms of dollars and cents or does it not? And in a lot of cases, I still think we hopefully will have a good chance to make money on the farm next year. All right, let's go to the phone lines. We've got Kyle calling in from Wisconsin. Kyle, I hear you got an issue with white mold.
1: Yeah. Good afternoon, guys. Honored to talk to you again. Uh, we've had a pretty good handle on our white mold issue the last uh, six or seven years uh, using Cobra and Preaxor. Uh, seems to work the best for us. About our two. Yep. Uh, white mold was prolific in our area this year, and we are not immune to it. I knew we had some areas in the field that looked like they died off early. Yep. But strangely enough, they all came back late season. And the areas where I expected to see a black cloud behind the combine did not have that, and instead of seeing a big red area on our yield maps, it was all consistent and in some instances the white mold areas even outyielded the, the the non-white mold areas. Sure, uh, it was an extremely extremely dry summer in Wisconsin at certain times of the growing season. I'm wondering, when the white mold came on, did it possibly be get affected by the severe drought? And the plant was basically dormant. Yep. yep. And it came back and grew through it. And are those beans that grew through, are they somewhat less susceptible to light mold?
0: Now, Kyle, I appreciate your optimism, and I I would hope that that is absolutely true. Personally, I don't believe that that's true, that we've now got more plants out there that are naturally tolerant to to uh, right. to white mold. What I believe it was, is it was dry. It was also really, really hot. So we saw yeah. the same type of thing that you're talking about. Next year, when I'm guessing it's going to be cooler and a little bit wetter, we're probably going to go right, not totally back to where we were fighting this thing hard, because it seems like it takes two, three years for white mold to really get rolling again. But right. I believe that's really what it was. So in the past, we've often said, hey, if the temp's above 85 and especially above 90, that pretty much kills white mold. So you've got to have right. the right conditions, and we just didn't have the right weather for white mold to thrive.
1: You know, a lot of our neighbors that did not put on a, a fungicide path, um, they still got beat up by the white
2: mold. Um, yeah, so the, the, the fungicide, fungicide and-
0: yeah, it did seem to work just a little bit better, too. I'll tell you what, Kyle, we got to take a quick break. Stay tuned. We'll be right back.
2: Proactive, effective weed resistance management starts in the fall. Get a clean start for your next season with Valor Herbicide Brands. Always read and follow label directions.
3: Your schedule can change by the minute, making it hard to stay on top of the latest agronomy information. But at AgPhD, we have some good news for you. If you miss an episode of AgPhD TV or radio, you can catch up at agphd.com. With years of valuable content and the latest episodes available to stream for free, you can continue building your agronomic knowledge on any schedule. While you're there, don't forget to check for upcoming Ag PhD events and workshops. Watch, listen, and learn at agphd.com.
0: Boost your productivity and profitability with Soil Warrior from environmental tillage systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and your yield potential in just one strip-till
3: pass. Now that's ROI. Contact us today at SoilWarrior.com. Get an extra semi-load out of your grain bin. The Enzone from Farm Shop MFG can increase your stored beans moisture from 10 to 13%. On a 20,000 bushel bin, that's a free extra semi-load. Visit FarmShopMFG.com for more.
4: You work for results. That's why the Enlist weed control system gives you flexible tank mixing, near zero volatility a wide application window and proven weed control because the enlist system was built for your results get better weed control with no ifs ands or buts at enlist.com enlist.com
0: welcome back to ag phd radio brian hefty here on a farmer friday we're live in the morton studio today If you'd like to call into the show, it's 844-44-AG-PHD. Right before the break, we were talking to Kyle from Wisconsin, and he had one last comment there. He just said the fungicide seemed to still help this year on the white mold. Now, look, even though it was hot and dry, there was still some white mold there, especially later on in the season. We started seeing mushrooms and the humidity came back and everything. But in a normal year, just spraying fungicide, is not enough. Like on our farm, if we don't do about six things to try to prevent white mold, we get hit pretty hard. This year, because it was dry and hot, then just doing fungicide may have been enough. And so I I can still see to Kyle's point that fungicide would have helped there. The other thing for a lot of people, they're using fungicides that have plant health benefits as well. So in a hot, dry year they were getting some gain from that too. So I go back to 2012, the last time we had a severe drought in our area, and we had one again this year, fungicide paid. And so we continued doing it this year on our soybeans, and I'm glad we did. We had our top three fields this year were 73, 69, and 67 bushels per acre. Whole fields, despite the drought and crazy heat and all the stress that we ended up having, even some hail and, oh my goodness, it was it was a challenging year. So anyway, it's, it's just a good lesson not to give up too early on some of these crops. All right, let's go next to Larry down in Iowa. Hey, Larry, how are you doing today?
5: I'm doing good, Brian. Thank you. You bet. Um, a report on my dicama yes. beans. yep. I talked to you a couple times this summer about things going on, sent you yep. an article about the guy from Adel yes. also. Yep, yep. Uh, my poor beans did 65, my good beans did 69 in a four-mile spread of three farms uh, I gave up on them in August. I would have sold them for 35 bushel to the acre to cover my contract. Yep. And they had less than five inches of rain during the growing season.
0: Yeah, that's I something.
5: Know, I don't know where they came from.
0: <laughs> now, uh, the, were these enlist beans?
5: Yeah, they, they were E3 beans. Yeah, okay. Uh, the, the damage was tissue confirmed by Iowa State yep. and the seed salesman. Yep. And, uh, you know, I was sick in July when I was calling you and and sick in August because the beans had no beans in the pods. Yeah. Yep. And But, I, I, that's, I mean, they were dusty, dirt, dirtiest, dustiest beans I've ever combined, but I don't know where that 69 bushel came from.
0: You know, there are a lot of maybe people... The, maybe the dirt. <laughs> yep, something like that. But, you know, there are a lot of these... Uh, People who will just say to those of us who suffer from uh, stress from time to time that about ninety percent of the stuff we worry about never really comes true, and I'm the same way, Larry. I get worried about a lot of things that I probably shouldn't, and and it's totally understandable because you drive out there and you go, oh my goodness, we had all three, all e three beans in our farm. Every single one of our beans was cupped, and so I wasn't super happy either, but you know, even where some of the worst cupping was, we had some phenomenal yields and we we had the same conditions you're talking about. Hot, super dry. And we go, how in the world could it pull through this? So no, I was I was really actually pretty tickled with the yields. And then, I mean, the best part is we got a decent price. So yeah, it, it, it turned out to not be too bad a year. So anyway, Larry, I, I want to thank you a lot for calling in, following up on that. We appreciate it. We like hearing how those things turned out. And, uh, hopefully now, uh, going into this next year, you won't have quite as much stress thrown on you, and maybe there won't be so much leaf cupping or anything, and it'll be a little easier season for you next year.
5: Hey, Brian. Yeah. I'm I'm doing corn this afternoon. Yep. The monitor is anywhere from 140 to 250, and it's 14% corn.
0: Nice and dry, and I, I mean for the year, and considering the year, those yields are pretty darn good. So you got to be happy about well, yeah, that.
5: I don't know where this came from, and now now you said I'm I'm not going to be worried. I'm low worried about about next year. You know we are empty, <laughs> bone dry, nothing. Now,
0: now Larry, and, uh, got, you just learned from this year. Don't worry so much. It's all going to you know, work out.
5: <laughs> uh, you got time for another? Sure. Yeah, go ahead. I leave you, go? Go ahead. Do you do you know? It seems like so many times the weather patterns come to Interstate 35 and stop. Yep. Or they come up to Interstate 80 from the south and stop. Now, you know, one would have to think maybe traffic and the heat and all that stuff affects the weather pattern. And maybe I just I'm really so disappointed in the weather. That's all I'm seeing. But that happened every time this summer.
0: Yeah. And honestly, it, it there there are things like that that can happen. I think about even we, we farm 10 miles away from the largest city in the Dakotas. And granted, it's not the biggest city in the world or anything, but nevertheless, it's quarter million people. And it there is more heat that's generated there from the people, from the streets, everything else. And so we've kind of seen that for years that go, a lot of these things will go around the city of Sioux Falls. But by the same token, And sometimes they get downpours too. Sometimes they get tornadoes too. So I don't know. I I, I think a lot of these things kind of average out in time. And so I look at it as, okay, this year was dry and hot we came off of 2018 and 2019 that were the wettest years we'd ever had in history. I mean, so, you know, things have over the four years, we probably aren't that much different than average. Now, now we had the extremes, so I don't like the extremes, but that's just the way it goes and so you just never know on the farm. But, you know, my dad always used to say It only takes a few timely rains in season, and that that makes up for starting a little bit dry. And and here's the thing, too. We got a couple months before freeze-up. So, Larry, I hate to say it, but we could get a whole bunch of rain here yet this fall. We replenish that soil. It might make it tough for us working out in the fields in the fall, but uh, you just never know what's going to happen. So, anyway, we want to wish you the best of luck down there, Larry. Thanks a lot for calling in today, and hope that corn keeps turning out good.
5: I do too. Thank you for listening, Brian. You bet. Thank I've you. I learned a lot from you. I've learned a lot from you guys. Thank you.
0: Yeah. Awesome. We appreciate it. All right. Let's go next out to Illinois. We've got Derek on. Hey, Derek. How are you?
5: Yeah.
1: Good. Brian. How are you doing? Great. Great. Hey. Had a question on non-G. We raise non-GMO corn. Yep. And we're beginning to get Johnson grass outbreaks in it. We're currently uh, applying a, you know, we burn down Roundup, two four D, and then we uh, apply Keystone or a Harness Extra. at Planning time. Yep. And then we follow it up with Callisto Extra. Yep. And that's all we've been doing right now. Is there a way we could add Prowl, or Warrant, or some sort of dual into our uh, Callisto Extra program that would help control that Johnson grass, and if we can, which one works the best?
0: Okay, so I I will say Prowl absolutely would work the best. The problem I always have with Prowl is it can ding your corn up a little bit, so I don't love that unless I feel like I absolutely have to, but. The, the, your very first statement about it being non-GMO corn, that's where the challenge comes. Because obviously, at least in the, the stuff that's not Roundup resistant, we can kill a lot of Johnson grass with Roundup or certainly with Liberty if you had Liberty tolerant stuff. So Accent, Beacon... Those would be two products post-emerge that could potentially work for you. Now, it's possible that your Johnson grass could be ALS resistant, but that's at least worth a try. Post-emerge in non-GMO corn for almost any grass, it's Accent and or Beacon. Uh, Those would be the products we'd often talk about. So like Accent Q, for example, that's and Accent. That's probably my recommendation there. Now, pre-emerge, you mentioned you're using Keystone and you can certainly continue to use that if you would like to but you could also spike it with a little bit more group 15 so what what's in Keystone is atrazine and surpass you could add a little more surpass we've also seen balance Flex do a fair job pre-emerge but the problem with putting balance Flex out is well now you're limited post emerge on your HPpds so if you want to stay with Callisto extra your question was can you throw dual with that absolutely Absolutely, So I, I would have no issue with that. Warrant, I mean, if you wanted to, you certainly could throw that in there. doesn't really matter. Warrant or dual, they're going to be similar. Like I say, prowl's the best. I just never like putting it out in corn because it can be a little hard on the corn. Um, hey, Derek, we got to take a quick break. If you've got more questions right. than that, just stay, uh, hang on here with us through the break. Otherwise, uh, I'll probably talk about it just a little bit more to wrap things up right after this. Stay tuned. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio.
7: Do you have crop failures due to flooding, drought, or another event? You may need to consider a better burndown regimen. Adding just two ounces of New Farm Panther SC to your tank mix not only provides faster results, it provides residual that lasts. You gain flexibility to keep your cropping options open. Ask your dealer for Panther SC and get Panther Power in your tank. Nothing waits for a farmer. Not the weather, the banker, the crops. It's never at a farmer's convenience.
0: So when it comes to crop protection savings programs, how come they get to ask you to wait for a rebate? Don't wait for rebates. Get the True Choice offer from Corteva AgriScience for instant, upfront savings on crop protection products. Ask your local Pioneer sales
3: representative or your crop protection retailer about the True Choice offer from Corteva. But don't wait.
0: Thanks for listening today to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Brian Hefty, live in the Morton studio on a Farmer Friday. If you want to call into the show, the number is 844-44-AG-PHD. So right before the break, we were talking about Johnson grass control and conventional corn. And the one thing that I didn't get a chance to get to is outside of the conventional corn. If let's say this is getting rotated with soybeans, you have to make sure you have absolutely fantastic control. So you want to start with a yellow, and I'm talking the full rate of like a trifluralin or a prowl. And keep in mind, Johnson grass is a perennial weed. So to think that we're going to kill it with one shot of a grass killer like that, not going to happen. But you're really severely going to injure the plants, if not even kill some of them that way. And then post-emerge, if it's Roundup, then hopefully if it's roundup pretty soybeans, then hopefully you don't have Roundup-resistant Johnson grass. But even if you do, you can go out there with a Select or fuselate or a Sure-2, something like that. And then in the fall, after harvest, if you see any Johnson grass at all, hit it with a really strong rate of straight roundup. Don't be mixing 2,4-D or Dicamba with it. Go straight roundup. Hit it really hard. And generally speaking, then you can lower that population overall, and now you're in a lot better shape going into the next year. Now, some guys will do tillage, especially like even moldboard plowing and and that will help to some degree just make sure you're doing any spraying a few days before you're going to do that tillage so then hopefully you knock a lot of the weeds out before the tillage all right let's go next down to Kansas got Dan calling in from down there hey Dan how are you I'm well how are you today excellent so you harvesting on your farm right now
4: Uh, yeah we're actually uh, right in the middle of corn harvest right now so yeah This area of Kansas, there's quite a bit of grain sorghum coming out. Uh, A lot of the corn's getting dry enough to come out as well.
0: And how are yields looking?
4: Oh, I would say average to below. Um, We had a a really wet spring and an awfully dry summer. So uh, I think once we get into some grain sorghum, I think it'll be average to above. Some of this corn that we're in uh, is kind of average, and I think the soybean yields around are going to be below average just because of below average summer uh, precipitation.
0: Sure. So anything else leading to yields being a little bit less than you thought? I mean, any diseases or big weed problems?
4: Uh, for the most part, you know, we had such a wet spring uh, that it kind of caused a little bit of delay in planting. A lot of this corn was planted a little later than, than usual. Sure. Um, and the grain sorghum kind of went in on time. And uh, we, had, we had good soil moisture, um, but uh, just had an awfully... You know, dry summer, and then late uh, we late summer we had a lot of hot conditions, uh, especially during pollination on this corn. So, uh, a lot of the corn is going to be a little back from where it was last year. I think I think the grain sorghum is going to hold on. Uh, a lot of the soybeans don't look so hot because we didn't catch that that good uh, good rain in August.
0: Now. You've mentioned a couple of times dry later in the summer. So we also have much higher fertilizer prices than normal. Is that leading you to thinking about changing any part of your rotation as you go into next season?
4: You know, I I don't think it is. I think we're just looking at different options of um, fertility program. Um, you know, how can we <laughs> yep. how can we maximize. You know, what we go ahead and put out or are yep. we going to put in, uh, you know, use more stabilizers or are we going to use more um, thiosulfate, things like that to, uh, to enhance the program we already have.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, how about like banding or anything like that? Do you do much banding now? Or are you thinking about that as a way to try to cut back?
4: Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Everything we do on this farm is is banded fertilizer, so um, no no broadcast fertilizer, no dry fertilizer here, so it's all pretty well target applied.
0: So anything else that people are talking about in your area, agronomically speaking, anything good or bad with the
4: crops? Well, I think it's, uh, you know, everybody's concerned about fertilizer prices, everybody's concerned about chemical availability. Um, You know, in this area where there's still uh, quite a bit of summer fallow, Um, people are worried about, uh, you know, chem fallow prices, things like that. So I think there, there could be more, you know, continuous crops going into the next year, but, uh, I think glyphosate availability and glyphosate price is going to be a a big driver of, of, acres out here next year.
0: Yeah. I'm certainly not as worried about the availability as I am about the price. I've, I've seen the prices and I don't like them and personally I think that's going to cut down how much people use. When you see the prices for glyphosate and for Liberty, you go yeah, I don't know if I really want to do that so much. We've been talking about that on our own farm too. Well hey uh, Dan, thanks a lot for calling in today. Appreciate it and want to wish you the best of luck here during harvest.
4: Absolutely. Well thanks for having me on.
0: You bet. Thank you. Alright, let's go next out to the state of California. Got Steve calling in. Hey, Steve, how are things for you today?
8: Good, Brian. How are you?
0: Excellent. So what's happening in your area right now?
8: Oh, just finishing up uh, melon production or melon harvest and uh, getting ground ready for next year and uh, got a little bit of seed lettuce finished to harvest and and just kind of going along, getting ready for a, a wet season, we hope.
0: Now, for those of us in the Midwest, we hear all these stories right now about California and shortage on labor and everything else. So how's that been for your operation cuz I know you deal with a whole bunch of different vegetable crops?
8: Yeah, it it's been tough. I mean, we we uh been working pretty consistently with our 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 labor contractors and and brought in uh, quite a few H2A employees this year which helped us a lot. Yep. Um and it's worked out fairly well, but I mean, it's definitely I mean, we use a lot of employees, so when we're, during harvest season, we've got, you know, four or 500 employees. So it's, it gets pretty, pretty hectic, but uh, it hasn't been terribly bad this year with, with this new program that we're working with.
0: One other question that I had for you. I know you do some organic stuff out there. Can you tell us just a little bit about what you do different with your organic crops versus anything you might raise conventionally or with herbicides?
8: Well, because we're irrigated, we do a lot of pre-irrigations and then stir the soil up and do another pre-irrigation on on some organic ground. Um, So that does help us on weed control, Um, numerous pre-irrigations, crop rotation uh, uh, is another main program. And uh, as far as insects apply, as as we try to get out of the area before the insects get too bad so if we're harvesting if we're, we're down in the desert we try to leave earlier before the aphid build up or the white fly build up we just kind of keep rotating keep moving ahead of them um that's pretty much what we do we do you know conventional and organic but with the conventional ground you know we've got a little bit more leeway we can we can use herbicides and and uh, stronger insecticides that seem to work pretty well and then on the organics we also use uh beneficial habitat plantings which are uh, blooming flowers to keep your uh your beneficials nearby the crop and uh, we commit a little bit of our ground to beneficial habitats to, to allow the uh, beneficials to build up in big enough numbers to help us on, on pest control.
0: Interesting. So in terms of all these different vegetable crops that you're raising, is there any one or two that stands out to you where you go, oh boy, there's a real shortage of that this year and so the price has spiked? I mean, is, is there anything that's like terribly out of normal?
8: No, not necessarily this year. Um, it was for us. It was a huge whitefly problem, white fly year for us in the Central Valley, and so a lot of the organic melons really suffered. Um, it it costs too much money to wash every single melon, uh, like a watermelon. We can't wash cantaloupe, but like a watermelon, and so uh, that was a that's a, a big problem. But uh, nothing really spiked or, or was out of the ordinary.
0: So as you start thinking about next year are there any of your crops that you're going to take more acres and devote to, or are you going to kind of stay with the same type of plan you've been running lately?
8: We'll probably increase our watermelon production, uh, possibly almost triple the the watermelon production. It, it just seemed to have done fairly well on the, on the ground. And, uh, we haven't had a lot of watermelons, so we've got a lot of areas to rotate into and, uh, but uh, really, nothing really stood out. What killed us this year is, is the, the shipping cost to get from California <laughs> to the East Coast. Yeah. And uh, that's what, so a lot of our markets became regional, which they used to be national. But now a lot of mm. them are, are, you know, you ship a load of watermelons, that's a lot of weight. And uh, to get them to the East Coast, it was pretty expensive.
0: Well, I think I can speak for most farmers out there, just like you, who would say, I, I'm hoping that shipping costs are going to come down in the future. <laughs> uh, you know, eventually, sooner or later, we got to get somewhat back to normal. Well, we've been talking to Steve from out in California. Steve, we really appreciate your time today. Thanks for calling in. It's always interesting talking about some of these crops we don't raise here in the Midwest.
8: Yep, appreciate
0: it, Brian. Have a good day. Yep, you too. Thanks. All right, again, it is Farmer Friday. Our phone lines are open all throughout the show. The number is 844-44-AG-PHD. If you'd like to call in, stay tuned. We'll be right back.
2: Proactive, effective weed resistance management starts in the fall. Get a clean start for your next season with Valor Herbicide Brands. Always read and follow label directions.
3: Don't turn your fertilizer application plan into a guessing game. Understand exactly how much fertility you need to reach your yield goals with the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal App. Simply enter your crop and your yield goal and the AgPHD Fertilizer Removal App calculates the amount of nutrition needed to keep your crop healthy and working for you. Quit playing guessing games with your fertility needs. Download the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal app today. Available on the Apple App Store and in Google Play.
6: Morton Buildings knows that great buildings need great people, and we want you to be the newest member of our team. Morton is expanding its construction crew, and we're seeking new and experienced candidates to fill our crew member positions. Morton provides great pay and training, so be a part of the next generation to build Morton. Don't let the opportunity to join the best construction crew in the business pass you by. Learn more on our careers page at mortonbuildings.com.
8: When you're ready to harvest more corn, Drago is ready to help. The proven Drago Series 2 cornhead with automatic self-adjusting deck plates. Beats competitive brands for harvest efficiency. And the new Drago GT features integrated deck plate ear shocks for unsurpassed yield capture.
7: Harvest more. Return more. With a Drago Cornhead. For more information on Drago Cornheads, go to dragotech.com. That's dragotech.com.
3: Your schedule can change by the minute, making it hard to stay on top of the latest agronomy information. But at Ag PhD, we have some good news for you. If you miss an episode of AgPHD TV or radio, you can catch up at agphd.com. With years of valuable content and the latest episodes available to stream for free, you can continue building your agronomic knowledge on any schedule. While you're there, don't forget to check for upcoming AgPHD events and workshops. Watch, listen, and learn at agphd.com. No matter what time of the year it is on your farm,
0: Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Brian Hefty, live in the Morton Studio on a Farmer Friday. We're going to jump right back to the phone lines. Got our good friend Tony Wendler calling in. He's with Farm Shop MFG and down in Iowa. Tony, how are you today?
7: I am doing excellent. It's a fantastic Friday. Getting a little harvesting done and, and uh, just walked over, was looking at what the uh, bin fan control was doing to the beans. Uh, things are going well.
0: How are corn and soybean yields in your area of Iowa?
7: Uh, beans are surprisingly well. The, uh, most of us were thinking they would be really marginal. In fact, I thought one field was going to be an insurance claim. Yep. Back, uh, in the summer. And, uh, that thing did, uh, uh, 69 point, uh, 59.6. 59.6. Yep. That sounds across slightly better
0: than what you'd need for insurance. So yeah. Awesome. How about corn? Yeah. Uh,
7: corn yields down here are, uh. Upper one hundreds to two thirty, yep. the uh, you know plus two hundred for the averages, which surprisingly well, you know with this uh, with the dryness, never would have expected.
0: Right, right, for sure. So that is one of the things that's concerned me a little bit about beans getting too dry, corn getting too dry. So talk to us about bin fan controls and maybe putting some moisture back into the grain.
7: Um. The uh, bin fan controls, we're working with a lot of people on getting this done now. Um, And I'll I'll just give a little plug on my personal experience. Now, granted, uh, my bin's only about half full, and I've got two 10-horse fans blowing uh, air into that thing. But uh, we've started getting uh, rain here in uh, the last eight, nine days. And so our humidities have been, uh, we've had lots of air with humidity we work with. My beans were going into that bin a week ago at around 9.1 to 9.3, and I just yep. looked at it, and I I did a physical check yesterday. Scooped them off the top, they were at 12.1. Yeah, and uh, the uh, the monitors are now indicating they're they're getting really close to 13 right now. Good. So uh, bin fan controls. If you've got uh, dry beans, or some of the people have wet. I talked with a a guy setting up his his uh unit for sixteen percent beans uh here uh this morning. The uh so lots of varieties of things, but I tell you what, this is a moneymaker when you can go from nine uh, percent to uh thirteen the uh the water going in there and people sell that uh, that water and uh, I always like a twenty thousand bushel bin for quick math. Twenty thousand bushel bin takes fifty four thousand pounds of water. That's one semi load. So it's uh the math on it's great. The, the cost of the uh, the monitors and the fan control are only like a quarter or a third that. Yeah. So it, it makes you money the first year.
0: Yeah, and then you have it for the future years. Yeah, I agree 100%. Um, how about corn? How quickly can you put moisture back into corn? Because, well, just earlier in the show, we had somebody who was combining 14% moisture corn already. I'm assuming we're going to see some 12%, 13% stuff here and not all that long.
7: You know, putting moisture into corn, um, for my practical purposes, I'd say it's it's very difficult. Yeah. Um, corn corn is a five-to-one ratio. It's five times easier to remove water than it is to put it back in. And uh, for practical purposes, I'd say you can't do it, although I spent some time talking with an ag engineer out of Iowa State, and back in the 70s, uh, for his uh, master's, he was doing research uh, on doing that very thing, and he said you can do it. And I, I asked him for his paper, but uh, <laughs> he was going to look for it, but he couldn't find it apparently.
0: Yeah, but I'm with you. It is a lot harder to put it back in as opposed yeah. to putting moisture back into soybeans. Hey, Tony, we got to run, but uh, thanks a lot for the time today. Appreciate it. Again, that's Tony Wendler yeah. with Farm Shop MFG.
7: Good talking to you. Thanks, Colin. Yeah.
0: Yep, thanks. All right, next on we got Joel from down in Kentucky. Joel, how are you today?
9: Hey, doing good. How are y'all?
0: Excellent. You still harvesting down your way?
9: Well, actually in the combine right now. Corn? Corn, yes. How's the yield? Uh, Better than we were expecting. And the reason I say that, we we turned off dry going into August, and uh, the looks of our corn crop changed within a few weeks, and we figured we'd really knock the top off of it, but... uh, Seems like every field we've been in, we've been in the plus 180 to over 200 average for fields or varieties. Nice. So uh, pleasantly surprised.
0: How about like rootworm and lodging and issues like that? Did you see much of that down your way?
9: We had a little bit of lodging on the corn. Uh, uh, we we blame it on the drought. Uh, the red ground uh, ran out of water and the yep. plant cannibalized itself and next thing you know a little storm comes blowing wind in a little bit different direction and you got little circles on the tops of them red hills that fell over. But very, very few acres were like that. No trouble with worms this year. Good. Except we had army worm trouble in our uh, double crop soybeans. Uh we had some of them that we ended up spraying three times to no keep kidding. the worms down.
0: Yeah, I heard more about army worms this summer than I think I may have ever heard in my life. So they must be right. for for whatever reason there were a lot around the country.
9: Yeah, and I need to clarify the third time we sprayed this one field, it, they called it a clover worm. I don't. Oh. I guess he's a cousin.
0: Yep, gotcha.
9: <laughs> <laughs> so you had a it variety a of pests.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So how about beans? Have you have you harvested beans yet? Those double crop beans. Hmm.
9: No, uh, yeah. double crop beans are just starting to turn now. We've got some single crop beans that are ready, and that's that's why we've been pushing as hard as the weather let us on this corn. And yep, we're uh, we're down below thirty acres now. And oh, uh, good. If the wet tanks, if the wet tanks don't get full. We might get done today.
0: Yep, good deal. So on the yep. soybeans, are you, are you are you thinking those look pretty good then too, or what?
9: Are this i've got a field of single crop soybeans right beside this corn field that we're finishing up in and it looks very good now we've got another field that's a few miles to the south uh we call it on the state line road because it's right on the border and they've been hurt pretty bad uh quality of the hull has been compromised Uh, moisture starting to get in yep got uh moldy looking beans we got a lot of small and shrivel beans uh that's going to be a ugly sample over there on over 200 acres.
0: Well, that's too bad. Uh, so yeah. so it just got wet here late in the season, and, and that's why stuff's starting to rot?
9: I think that's what's happened. We've had this happen once before. Go, go through a dry spell and, like yep. I said, re- really stress the plant Yep, and maybe uh, ramp it up to maturity uh, quicker than usual. And then we start having these rainy periods. Like, we're back in the field today, and the last time we were shelling corn was last weekend on Saturday. Uh, and we've had that happen twice to us during corn season. So it, it prevents, uh, provides an environment that uh, if you hadn't got a good hull there on that bean plant, you start having problems. problem. And, and I can walk through them beans and look, and, and we've had some of them just already gone ahead and popped open drop seed on the ground
0: so in that field yeah so with that drought that you had this summer and then just all the challenging conditions did you see more weeds pop up because you maybe didn't get as good a crop canopy as normal or how'd the weed population go
9: i'm i'm tickled on that side because it, i guess we held our canopy uh long enough uh we're getting just a little fuzzy green stuff coming up in the corn but you know, nothing that we even worry about. Yeah. And uh, the beans, them single crop beans are extremely clean. Yep. You know, for the amount of time that's gone by since the last spraying, we, we sprayed the last post on them, uh, would have been early part of July, uh, you know, right right there uh, after wheat harvest and double crop bean planting.
0: Yeah. Well, at least, uh, at least that turned out good for you. So, hey, uh, Joel. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Joel, we want to thank you a lot for calling in today and taking a little time during your harvest season. We appreciate hearing how things are going down there. Stay safe down there, yeah. and good luck with the rest of harvest.
9: Well, y'all too, and everyone else out there, be careful.
0: You bet. Well, thanks a lot. All right, again, it is a Farmer Friday. Our phone lines are open. 844-44-AG-PHD is the number, or you can email us, radio at agphd.com. If we have time yet today, we'll get to the AGPHD PhD mailbag. Been getting a number of questions in there as well. Stay tuned. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio.
3: Maintaining your crops is as important now as it's ever been. Howler, a revolutionary fungicide from AgBiome, can help. It provides long-lasting protection from a broad spectrum of foliar and soil diseases that affect crops. Howler is OMRI listed, has multiple modes of action, and has minimal pre-harvest and re-entry intervals. It's flexible, easy to use, and is available right now. Visit agbiome.com forward slash Howler to learn more.
6: Thanks for
0: joining us here on Ag PhD Radio. It's a Farmer Friday. We're going to jump right back to the phone lines. Got John calling from Illinois. Hey, John, how are you today?
6: Hey, good afternoon, Brian. I'm I'm doing okay. I just uh, pulled over for an armored car that just went by by my ag retailer. I think they had some Liberty in there, <laughs> so uh, I just got <laughs> swerved over to the side. So. Kind of, kind of amazing what's what's going on. What people are doing to to get to uh, keep an eye on that stuff these days.
0: <laughs> well, that's an important shipment, you know. You don't want to hold up anybody's yeah. liberty, especially this year. So,
6: <laughs> well, that's for sure. That's for sure. You know,
0: it's funny. So, right before the radio show, I I was talking to some of the head people in B S F here in the United States uh, just about supply and everything else. And they just conveyed to me again that raw materials are their main problem. I mean, they have plenty of formulation facilities. They just have had issues getting raw materials in. And it's probably this this issue with glyphosate in general or Liberty is probably not going to be solved until 2023. So I yeah, here in 2022, are going into this next season I think we're going to have some issues but I, I was just saying earlier in the show with as high priced as that stuff is <laughs> and the need for the armored car uh, <laughs> I think a lot of usage is going to get cut back even on our farm we're, we're talking about going two shots of Enlist One on our soybeans as opposed to using one shot of Enlist One and one of Liberty mm-hmm. so anyway we'll see how it goes
6: yeah no I think so I think there's going to be a lot of, uh, lot of tag teaming with Glyphosate going on in the country too. Yep. Uh, I think that's going to happen a lot. So. But we'll get through it. We always do. Oh, we yeah. always do. Yep. So.
0: so, what's happening on hey, your farm right now? Are you harvesting?
6: Well, we, uh, we've been in a kind of a rut with rain last week here. So, we're just kind of waiting. Uh, we're caught up on corn. I'm basically done with corn. Didn't want to be. Uh, but uh, hey, we're done with it. But we're just sitting here waiting for these beans to dry down. Um, but it's kind of hurting us for trying to get some winter wheat planted, but other than that, it's okay. But, um, I did want to thank you. I did, uh, call you earlier in the year for, uh, planting sorghum after wheat. Yep. And, um, it's actually doing okay. Good. It's actually, we're going to get something off of it. So Good. that seemed to work out pretty well. Um, but yeah, the yields in our area, um, Guys, for the most part, are, are pretty happy, but um, you know, I, I would just tell everybody, I mean, for next year, you've got people that call up all the time to this product work, it worked for my neighbor, it didn't work over here, and just do some strips, you know, just, just that's the most important thing I think you can do on your own farm is see if it works or not, you know, be sure you try a product, use it, put a strip on, you know, find out if it pays for you or not. Yep, so, yep, couldn't um, agree more. That's, that's the best thing, but... Yeah, no, we had some we had some better than expected yields here, and um, you know, about 15 miles south of us, those poor people had a mini derecho that kind of went through about 50 miles and 15 miles. So we're fortunate we didn't get that. There's yep. a lot of a lot of down corn in our area, a lot of it that got out already, but uh, that's never a good situation for anybody to be in. But uh, no, we're we're doing fine up here.
0: Hey, John, you made a comment earlier. You said you didn't want to necessarily be done with corn now. What did you mean by that?
6: Well, I, I wanted to get my beans out first. And sure. then, obviously, if my beans are out with my rotation, I, I plant winter wheat after that. Oh, so, yep. Um, so that's really delaying what we're, our goal anyway. So I was trying to get that in the ground and go...
0: Yeah, you just never know from one year to the next. About two, three years ago, we just had an impossible fall. And then last fall, we didn't get a drop of rain all fall, never lost a single day of harvest. So everything, I mean, at least in, in terms of when I wanted to harvest, it all went perfectly last fall. So yeah, you as a farmer, you just don't know from year to year. And beans are a lot more challenging harvesting compared to corn. So like for any of our listeners, if you haven't raised soybeans before or a crop like that, I mean, they're, a dew causes a problem, a light rain causes a real problem. You got to get those beans out of the pods. And then ideally we'd like them down to 13 percent moisture otherwise like for us we harvest a lot of 16 17 percent moisture beans throw them in a bin with air and then in two three mm-hmm. weeks then they're dried down so yeah it can be a real challenge
6: well and then the other weird thing I just you hit the nail on the head how odd this year has been you know I had a field that was irrigated and it just uh, they were a very early maturing bean for our area and it was getting down to nine percent and I stopped the machine I put the irrigator on you know, to get it back up again. So, I mean, and here I am a week later trying to get the rest of it out, and I got an inch or eight and I'm just sitting here. So, I mean, it's just one extreme to the next. So yep. but,
0: Yeah, anyway. farming is always interesting. All right. Hey, John, thanks a lot for calling in today. Appreciate it. Hope things dry out so you can get your harvest done out there.
6: Sounds good. Watch out for those armored cars.
0: <laughs> uh, I'll try. Yeah. He, he's dead on, though. You know, I mean, some of these things have gotten ridiculously expensive. Now, we probably aren't going to haul them in armored cars, but uh, you start looking at the dollars that it takes, quite frankly, just even to farm. We do, we do this every once in a while as an Ag PhD television topic, just talking to non-farmers about how much it really takes to farm anymore. You look at the cost of equipment, the price of fertilizer the herbicides and all that to 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 take our weeds and insects and diseases and everything out of the crop the pesticides and then seed costs and i mean there's there's just so much to it So this is part of the reason why for a lot of farmers, they have really good relationships with bankers because without ample capital, you're just not going to be able to get the crops in that you want and take care of them the way that you want. And so I was talking earlier in the show how a lot of people are considering raising more soybeans this next year. That's part of the reason why, because if you're capped on, hey, I can only borrow so much money and I only have so much money over on the other side. Um, how am I going to put a corn crop in if fertilizer costs three times what it did last year and seed prices are what they are and chemical and everything else? So it it is challenging all the time on the farm. But the, the good news that I keep coming back to is at least commodity prices are, are pretty decent today and they look pretty good going into this next year, too. So hopefully that at least will continue. All right, let's get to the Ag PhD mailbag.
1: It's the mailbag.
0: First one is from Adam. He says, thanks for answering my question, guys, the other day, but you stated you didn't know if the ammonium sulfate I wanted to use was my only sulfur I was going to apply. So uh, the other day we had just talked about Adam and he was asking about putting 100 pounds of ammonium sulfate. Out on his corn, and I just had made the comment. Well, that's great, but you might want to do a little bit more because that's not giving you a tremendous amount of sulfur—around 20 pounds, 24 pounds. But anyway, he says here he is actually putting another 20 units of elemental sulfur on. He's been broadcasting that with his P and K. Now, prices this year uh, may change the amount of P and K that I'm using, but he is going to continue doing the elemental sulfur and ammonium sulfate. Yes, that's good. Also, his question here is he was told the nitrogen from the ammonium sulfate can volatilize, so that's why I've been putting it on in the spring, how much, if any, can I expect to lose by putting it out this fall? Well, look, Adam, we do a lot of ammonium sulfate in the fall, 100 or 200 pounds to the acre, depending on the field and the situation and everything, but I'm really not that worried about it. It's in the ammonium form. But nevertheless, if you are in an area that's hot and you spray, or I should say you spread your ammonium sulfate early, then you have more risk of loss. You have more risk of loss for any nitrogen that's going to be out there. So we try to wait with our nitrogen products until we get closer to freeze up, closer to when we're going to get snow, closer to when things do cool down a little bit, and then we have a lot less risk. All right, next one. This is uh, John from in the Upper Peninsula. He says, I got a quick question on fertilizer. I've seen a lot of people in the past Uh, getting sold a mix of ammonium sulfate and potash, but now for this year, the local feed mill was pushing straight urea for hay ground. Any thoughts on that? Thanks, guys. I love the show. John, I like the idea of ammonium sulfate and potash for hay ground because hay, especially when you're cutting that hay and taking it off, you're taking a lot of potassium away and you're taking a lot of sulfur away. So Putting those products on makes more sense than anything to me, but I also haven't run the soil test there. So maybe there is ample sulfur and potash there now, and that's why they're thinking, oh, we'll just throw a little urea on. I don't know. I can't say for sure, but I just know as a general statement, yes, I want to make sure I have really good sulfur levels and fantastic potassium levels anytime I'm talking about hay because when we cut that hay it just removes so much of those nutrients All right, before we go I just want to say thanks a lot to our production staff my sister Janelle was running the controls today thanks to all our people who called in to the show here on this farmer Friday really appreciate that and thanks to everybody who asked questions and thanks to you for listening and be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD radio and now stay tuned for shark farmer radio